You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Thank you for tuning in to the Anarchist World This Week uh, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au because of COVID-19 restrictions in the Melbourne metropolitan region and uh, and the Mitchell Shire. The program is being broadcast outside the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. If we have technical issues, that's the way it goes. That's the price you've got to pay when you've uh, got a broadcast uh, far, far away from a proper studio. My name is Joseph Toscano, which one Anarchy is all about. The word anarchos means without rulers. An anarchist society is a society based on the creation uh, of where there are no rulers, a society without rulers. So what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Very simple, inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to... Devolve power, that's share power, and the struggle to hold wealth in common. So those inequalities in power and wealth, which cause many, many, if not most, of the problems we face as individuals, communities, and a part of the, uh, the world. So it's interesting that uh, the great thing about corporate capitalism is they're more than happy to sell you the last ticket on the last train to hell. You know that? The last train to hell. I could see it now. If I told, if I tried to sell you the last ticket on the last train to hell, you would laugh at me. You would laugh at me. You would just walk away. But it's interesting how, as a society, we tend to follow models uh, that have been shown to be uh, exceptionally unworkable. Now, let's look at the models in Australia. Today, I'm going to concentrate on Australia. Let's look at the models. Now, we've got we've got a number of sectors of the economy. We've got the uh, service industries, we've got the retail industry, manufacturing, mining, tourist, education. And what we've seen over the last four de- decades is a wholesale change in the way these industries have been organised. It's interesting to note that uh, our current treasurer, Mr Frydenberg, uh, resurrected the names of Thatcher and Reagan as the solutions to the way out of the current economic situation. And I find it quite uh, fascinating to think that he wants to go that far because Reagan and Hawke and uh, Thatcher were about two things. They were about tax cuts and they were about uh, breaking down the power of uh, trade unions and uh, watering down 
uh, industrial relation uh, regulations which protected workers. That's all it was about. And the fact that uh, the top tax rate dropped remarkably for uh, large corporations has resulted in the top society we find today. So let's look at the models. Let's look at the education model in Australia. The education model is based on the idea of funding through uh, ex- through students, through using a student. It's been through funding, through u- using overseas students' money to fund the sector. Now with COVID-19 and the death of the overseas student market, we are seeing the government try to strangle university sector, one, by denying them JobKeeper, and two, by uh, changing the rules as far as education is concerned, trying to force people into more so-called useful courses and uh, pricing out of people's range uh, humanities courses. So the model of education is cranked. We saw over the last 10 to 20 years the destruction of the TAFE sector, the introduction of fees over the last 40 years, and the fact that education now is uh, particularly hard to access for a lot of people. And those who do access it and go through it are saddled with a debt for 10, 20, 30 years. So this model of education, not free education for everybody, but a model which is based on the funding of the education sector for Australians through an increasingly overseas job market is now broken, 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 broken. Then let's look at the healthcare sector. I really am always interested in the push by successive governments to privatise public health in this country. We've now got the situation where in many public hospital pathology services, the private services, cleaning is outsourced, uh, food is outsourced, and the list goes on and on. Radiology is outsourced, um, pathology, many pathology services are outsourced. So it is a particularly uh, difficult situation we find ourselves in where you've got a lot of outsourcing in the healthcare sector. And nothing highlights this more than the so-called reforms which were introduced by the Howard government with the aged care sector when they attempted to privatise aged care. And it's no accident that the private sector and the aged care sector is the one that's having the most difficulty controlling COVID-19. It's no accident at all because what we've seen over the past 40 years during the uh, continuation of uh, the Thatcher, Reagan and Hawke uh, era although their names are hardly ever mentioned these days, but the continuation of the same concept of lowering wages, breaking down uh, workplace regulations, destroying unions. It's been the same story over the last 40 years. What we have seen is the destruction of job security. The fancy word that's been used over the last few years, the last few decades, is flexibility flexibility, casual workforce, a workforce that doesn't have permanent work, a workforce which is managed by labour hire companies, whether it's agriculture, whether it's health, whether it's education, whether it's the mining sector. It's all about breaking down individual contracts and getting labour hire. It's all about creating individual contracts and using labour hire companies to provide cheap, flexible, casual labour. 
And I think once the investigation into the current COVID-19 epidemic or pandemic in uh, Victoria is concerned, they will find that it's related to the fact that the labour hire companies that basically control security of the people, security staff that were used to manage the overseas travellers who were uh, isolated in hotels across the city, didn't have the equipment, didn't have the expertise, didn't have the training because they were casual staff and this caused the current second wave which we are currently seeing in Victoria which is causing extreme problems in the community not just economically but physically, mentally and is uh, resulting in increased deaths especially in the aged care sector. And if you look at the security industry, if you look at the aged care sector, in order to create profits in the aged care sector, increasing profits, casual staff uh, who are provided by labour hire companies who, you know, about 40% of any uh, money which is paid to labour hire companies goes to them in profits and uh, so-called administration costs. So we are seeing... We are paying the price of not having permanent staff providing service, providing care to people. And it's now actually the COVID-19 crisis, especially in the last one to two weeks when it's entered the health aged care sector, has got the government, both the federal and the state government, on the back foot to the situation where they've had to close down uh, hospitals to release staff. Uh, to go into nursing homes to actually provide basic care. It, it is a it, it highlights the situation. Now, what I find hypocritical is Mr Andrews, the Labor Premier of Victoria, you know, talking about the fact that the private sector is not able to provide the necessary care, and he wouldn't have his mother in many of these aged care situations. Now, Mr Andrews and the state Labor government have been the have been the foremost supporters of privatisation. His government has privatised the titles office. His government has privatised the Port of Melbourne. His government has gone into uh, private partner, private-public partnerships with Transurban, one of the most uh, difficult uh, corporations uh, in this country, and the list goes on and on and on. And just to highlight the fact that they're not interested in the public sector, yesterday they released a plan, uh, $150 million to provide emergency accommodation for homeless people in hotels till April. And they're also going to lease from the private sector 1,000 accommodation sites for homeless people in the long run. Now, instead of putting their money into public housing, they did promise 1,000 new public housing uh, units at uh, the last state election as a result of pressure from groups like um, Friends of the uh, Public Housing, Defending Extend Public Housing, Public Housing Everybody's Business, uh, which they haven't actually actually built one at this stage. So instead of building up the public housing sector, which provides secure, stable accommodation for people, you don't actually have to build. Instead of leasing from the private sector, you could buy from the private sector as property prices begin to fall and uh, include that in the public sector. But again, this is a government, uh, the state government, most of the state governments around this country are not interested in actually providing 
public support and public service for people. It's no accident that COVID-19 has actually exposed the weaknesses in the models which we are currently using. It is no accident. So we really have to look at different ways of doing things. We have to look at different ways of uh, providing services. For example, it was only yesterday, in the last 24 hours, that the so-called Fair Work Commission, uh, after rejecting a request a few weeks previously, has actually said that the casual workers could get two weeks paid COVID-19 leave if they had to self-isolate. And to a significant degree, much of the destruction which is occurring in the aged care sector has occurred because casual part-time staff who rely on low wages to survive uh, in many situations may have gone to work with uh, very minor symptoms and didn't feel they could self-isolate because of the financial consequences. So once again, we are seeing models of uh, care models of uh, industry which do not fit the situation. For example, if we had a universal basic income, you would find that many of these people who are working in these situations would be in a position to actually take time off because their basic necessities have been met. Because in a capitalist society, one based on private investments for private profit, the dilemma is that if it's based on private investment for private profit, the dilemma is that, uh, you know, you've got to work. End of story. Wage slavery. That's why it's called wage slavery. So it's very easy to complain. I'm not complaining about what's happening. All I'm saying is we've been working with broken models. And if you want change, if you want things to change for you, your children, your grandchildren, for future generations, for your friends, for your neighbours, if you want things to change, you need to be able to look at different models, different economic models, because irrespective of what the Treasurer says, irrespective of uh, how much money they can raise on the international bond market in order to uh, you know, pay their debts, the problem is that we do have major issues, not just health-wise, but economic issues. And as we know, as JobKeeper and JobSeeker are wound down, unemployment and underemployment will dramatically rise in this country, putting increased pressure on the country. So we need to, to look at these things, and if we don't look at these things and don't look at alternatives, we are going to find ourselves in a much more difficult situation than we should find ourselves in. And it's no point just complaining. It is no point just complaining. Nobody listens to you complaining. I mean, you can complain as much as you like on social media, uh, to your friends, you know, on talkback radio. The, the dilemma is that complaints lead nowhere unless you are willing to take action. Listen to the Anarchist Will this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live outside the studios of Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. Now, just in case you think that uh, everything's good, uh, a good way to work out whether a 
things are economically stable or not is looking at the gold price. Now, the gold price is currently soaring. It's over $2,800 Australian dollars per ounce, which is an extraordinary rise. Uh, I think in the next uh, week or so, we'll find the gold price increase over $3,000 an ounce. So why would you worry when the gold price increases? You begin to worry when the gold price increases because people, investors, and in inverted commas, we won't call them people, but investors are becoming worried. And they're becoming worried for two very important reasons. One, funny money. There's trillions of dollars of government-created money out there in the ether. Trillions of dollars that has been put out there in order to contain the damage done by COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic. Trillions, not billions, trillions of dollars. When you've got tons of money, money, as we saw in the 1920s, what happens is inflation. Although currently Australia is facing deflation, uh, the United States, the US dollar is weakening. That's why the Australian dollar is increasing. Uh, the amount of funny money that's about is creating inflation. And if you get uh, inflation, people are looking for other ways in which to invest their money and the gold price goes up and at the same time, believe it or not, the, the price of Bitcoin goes up as people are looking for different mech, different ways of making a buck. And if you look at the silver price, it's just a, it's just shot up extraordinarily over the last uh, few weeks. So inflation is an issue. Increasing gold prices reflect the worry that uh, investors are concerned that governments will not be able to service debt. And as inflation increases, the value of the uh, of uh, the money you're using decreases. And as we saw, what happens when you have hyperinflation, as we saw in Europe in the 1920s, with the rise and rise of fascist and uh, authoritarian governments during that period and the resulting World War II. So these are situations we need to look at very closely. As the gold price increases, it means there's going to be increasing instability in the world, increasing instability, because you can't continue to create trillions of dollars out of nothing, putting it on the never-never, giving it to the private banks and then, you know, lending it out to people. It just cannot happen indefinitely. And we are seeing the first jitters. Forget about the stock market going up and up, but we are seeing those jitters uh, around the world uh, because of the amount of funny money which is being created in order to uh, attempt to deal with the current situation within the current economic nexus. So think about it. Now let's move on. Now, I, um, I think it's interesting that uh, the Foreign Minister, Maurice Payne, and the Defence Minister, Linda Reynolds, have uh, gone to the United States of America to uh, talk to the Trump administration. Let's not forget the United States presidential election will be held in less than 100 days. So we are looking at the end of a four-year term by the Trump administration. And if you look at Trump's electoral 
election strategy is very simple. He has two strategies. One is anti-Chinese uh, sentiment, stoking up anti-Chinese sentiment, uh, not actually uh, dealing with uh, trade issues, but stoking up that fear about the Chinese. And we've seen this escalate with the closure of um, consulates in uh, Houston, Texas, the consulate, and we've seen it escalate. It is not directed at the Chinese government. It's really directed for local consumption. You always need an external enemy in this situation if you're facing a particularly difficult election. So we've got the anti-Chinese sentiment, and then we've got the interesting phenomenon of uh, Trump and his administration declaring war on cities across America, declaring war against their own people by sending federal agents in camouflage, you know, military camouflage, into cities to deal with protesters. So what he's trying to do is create the vision that we are facing an internal apocalypse and that he will be the only one, the strong president will be the only one who can actually deal with the situation. He will deal with the situation. So using the twin... Uh, strategy of uh, uh, stoking the fires in the United States of America and uh, promoting anti-Chinese sentiment in the United States of America that he thinks he may be able to be re-elected as president because this is about Trump. And it's quite fascinating to see that Australia has been caught up in this web. We have seen the same strategy being pursued by the Morrison-led federal government and sending the defence minister and the foreign minister to America less than 100 days before a US presidential election must be one of the most stupid decisions ever made by an Australian federal government. Instead of waiting until after the election and seeing the direction things will take as far as the dispute between China and the United States of America is concerned, we have actually, we have been uh, pulled into this vortex. We saw Australian naval ships in the South China Seas. We have seen the anti-Chinese uh, rhetoric, Chinese government rhetoric escalate in this country over the last two years. We've seen the Morrison government stoking those fires in the community in order to uh, stabilise its uh, re-election chances in less than about 20 months' time. So this is ridiculous. Why wouldn't you wait three months to see the result of the United States presidential election before you committed Australia to a to a mil to, to a possible military action in the near future. It is quite extraordinary that we are stupid enough to send the defence minister and the foreign minister to the United States of America at this particular time and get involved in uh, this um, fake in many uh, election campaign that uh, Trump is now currently pushing. Now, God, I don't care what happens. Uh, with Trump, but I do care when we hoist our flag uh, in, in the US presidential suite. It is ridiculous to 
to put Australia at such increased risk for such minimal gain just for domestic um, issues. That's all it's about. It's about domestic issue. Anti-Chinese government sentiment suits the government of the day, and we've seen them escalate that sentiment over the last few years. Not that I think the Chinese Communist Party is, you know, is a, a great government. It is an authoritarian government. It would uh, result in the arrest of most of the people that I know in this country if we had a similar type of government in this country. And I find the debate about influence and TikTok and all these things quite ludicrous because ultimately the Australian government has legislation in place which allows it to access material held by privately owned um, social media companies in this country. It's just extraordinary that we would beat the same drum, that we would want to um, get on this bandwagon at this particular point in time. Not only is it uh, strange, it's exceptionally dangerous exceptionally dangerous for us during this particularly difficult period socially and economically. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program will be podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscana. If you wish to leave a message, 0439 You want to send an email, you could send it to info at pipsy.net or anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. And you can always write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Now, as I said at the beginning of the program, uh, and just see how social media companies work. Now, let's not forget that social media companies are privately owned companies, whether it's Google, whether it's Facebook, whether it's TikTok, and the list goes on and on. They are privately owned companies, and they set the rules regarding how they interact with you. And let's not forget that although the Australian Competition Consumer is taking Google to court for uh, what we would describe as unconscionable behaviour. Let's not forget that when you're on the World Wide Web, in its various guises, that you are the prophet. It's your personal information which will be used to sell advertising. That's what it's about. It's about you are the product. It may be free, in inverted commas, but ultimately you are the product. Your information is what they require to maximise their profits. And they set the rules. It's very simple. These are privately owned companies. They set the rules. And I find it extraordinary. I found, well, it's about six or seven months ago, we got some information from public interest before corporate interest, you know, which I'm um, the registered officer for. And we were told by Facebook that uh, our organisation does not fit community standards and it would not, Facebook users would actually not be able to access our particular website. Very simple. That was their 
Now, with their decision, we do not fit community standard. Public interest before corporate interest, a legal entity which is involved in legal activity, which wants to register a federal political party, which is running a political program based on a universal uh, basic income treaty with the Indigenous uh, Australians, uh, public education, promotes public education, public health, public services, and the list goes on and on. An organisation which is interested in nationalising uh, resources, using the resources for our own use, uh, that we are not do not fit community standards. Now, I took this as a badge of honour, the fact that we don't fit... Of course, we don't fit community standards. Of course, we are not jumping to the same drum as they are. But while they are, are misogynists and racists and terrorists and state terrorists, and the list goes on and on, to regale you on their social media platforms, organisations like ours, are kept on the outer because we don't fit community standards, because we don't support corporate capitalism. We do not support the idea of private investment for private profit. We support the idea of using resources for the public good, not for personal gain. Obviously, they're the ones who are out of step with community standards because as the COVID-19 crisis, the pandemic, the damage caused the pandemic increases, the economic damage, the personal damage, the mental damage, the community damage, the state-based damage, the nation national damage increases, people will be looking for alternatives. Not, not uh, twiddle-dee and twiddle-dum alternatives, but real alternatives to the current situation. So you, if you are annoyed with the current situation, if you're concerned about the current situation, if you're not a member of a political party and you've decided that you want to be a member of a political party, I encourage you, not implore, but encourage you to join public interest before corporate interest. You can join public interest before corporate interest in a number of ways. You can download the application form from PIBCP. IBCI.net. If you don't have a printer or a computer, you can always leave a message on uh, leave a message on 0349. You can leave a message. Uh, you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, or you can always send us an email at info at pipsy.net if you don't actually have a printer. Or you can uh, leave a message at 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Because ultimately, as I said at the beginning of the program, if you want things to change, they're not going to change by prayer. They're not going to change by begging and beseeching your political masters. They're not going to change by bashing your head against a brick wall. They're not going to change by blaming yourself for the situation we find ourselves in as a people, as a as community, they're not going to change. They change through our coming together, taking action. And if Facebook thinks that public interest before corporate interest does not fit community standards, so be it, because we don't fit community standards. We want to share power. We 
what a whole wealth in common and use the Commonwealth for the common good. We do live in the Commonwealth of Australia, just in case you forgot. That's right. Commonwealth of Australia. The wealth is held in common. Let's move on. Now, listening to Maurice Payne and uh, Linda Reynolds going to the United States of America, obviously, I don't know what they're going to talk about. Maybe they're going to give the US a few more warships or let them deploy some more troops in Australia or uh, increase the uh, lease at Pine Gap for another 600 years. Who knows what they're going to promise uh, to keep this uh, you know, anti-Chinese uh, rhetoric alive, obviously. Uh, in the last 100 days, or less than 100 days, to the US presidential election, we've got these uh, senior ministers from the Morrison government, you know, going there cap in hand. I don't know why, but that's the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, but I'm interested in the idea, I'm sure you're interested in the idea of uh, how we tackle this. And I have noticed that we now have a new Cold War you know, Cold War when you, you, know, you freeze out your opponents. And uh, we've got a three-way tussle. I mean, AJ we have Russia, we have China, we have the United States of America, and then we've got all the little satellites. And obviously, we're a, a satellite of the United States of America currently. And it's a Cold War which is based on the idea of trying to influence people. And you influence people these days through social media. So we have uh, fake, fake information. We have bots, you know, which are spreading fake information on social media. We have uh, governments that are putting out fake news. It's as if facts don't matter anymore in the, uh, 20, in the 21st century. So you've got these battles going on at the current, currently regarding values. And it's the old Cold War. It's about values. And we're told that we have, we're the good guys. We have the right values, they have the bad values. And our right values are based on our concept of democracy. And I think to myself, democracy, rule of the people, by the people, for the people. We don't have democracy, we have parliamentary democracy. And that's what we have in Australia, and that's what we have in almost every other country. In the world, of course, it's self-democracy. Every three to four years, sometimes five years, people are called upon to elect new leaders or representatives for them over a fixed period of time to make decisions for them over that fixed period of time. But the dilemma is, how can you have democracy in a nation-state where the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication are privately owned? You cannot have democracy while you have common resources owned by individuals and corporations. It's impossible because what happens in those situations is that they dominate the debate. They're the influences. It's all very well talking about China and Russia influencing us through the internet by spreading fake news, by a spy, and the list goes on and on. But let's not forget we have exactly the same problem today in this country because the people do not own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. What that means is the debate every day is managed and sorted out 
by those who own those resources. It's very simple. No wonder we saw the paradox at the last election, and I always find this a quite a paradox. Now, at the last election, we're over 65% of people who are over 16, that's my cohort, voted for the Liberal National Party and, and to a significant degree uh, frightened into voting for the Liberal National Party because of all the misinformation which occurred regarding franking credits. And I know I've said this before, but I had, it's interesting, I had a patient who said to me, oh, Joe, I said, yes. She said, I've changed my vote for the first time in history. I've always been a Labor voter, but I voted for the Liberal National this year. And I the last thing. And I said, why? She said, I'm concerned about my franking credit. And I said, oh. I said, I thought you were on a disability support pension. I said, do you own any shares? She said, no, I've never owned any shares. And I said, why are you concerned about your franking credits? Because I thought they were going to cut our pension. And that was the nature of the debate at that particular point in time. So maybe ten, maybe 100,000 people voting a different way would have made a huge difference. But what, what's actually happening is the elderly in this country continue to vote for repressive government because of fear. And the paradox is that with the COVID-19 pandemic we have seen, it is the elderly who are suffering, not just those in nursing homes, but those who rely on self-funded, who are self-funded retirees those who rely on superannuation, those who rely on self-made superannuation funds where they find themselves in a situation where the only investment they can actually make a profit from is the stock market because of dreadfully low interest rates and because of the uh, decrease in housing prices and rental prices, and the list goes on and on. So the very people who should be looking for a more collective type of solution to the current situation are looking for individual solutions and voting for political parties that promote uh, privatisation. So it is a paradox. It is a paradox that we face. It's an important paradox because if we don't, challenge this at some stage, we will find that um, this same thing will happen again and again and again and again, federal election after federal election, state election after state election, when we see the media, which is dominated by a few players, when we see industry, which is dominated by a few players, when we see uh, governments, which is dominated by a few players, uh, push the debate to a position where they say there is no other alternative. The only alternative that will work is corporate capitalism. We need to progress down the same path. And I find it fascinating that currently private investment market outside the mining sector is basically dead. And they're now calling for more tax cuts investment allowance, 20% investment allowance, which is another fancy word for a tax cut, in order for them to so-called kickstart the economy after the COVID-19 pandemic is managed in one way or another. So once again, we are looking at the same solution. No wonder the Treasurer pulled out the name of Reagan and Thatcher. Reagan and Thatcher are about tax cuts for the rich, 
the destruction of the trade union movement and austerity, which is a fancy word for squeezing the last dollar out of the last uh, uh, citizen. It's very simple. And uh, to a significant degree, much of the damage we find ourselves in today is directly related to the fact that we have allowed the privatisation juggernaut that's giving away public, essential public infrastructure and essential public services to the private sector, the globalisation juggernaut, allowing our manufacturing industry to die, you know, wither on the vine, uh, bringing in the cheapest stuff made by basically virtual slave labour. Then we've got corporatisation, allowing a few corporations to dominate every facet of our uh, economy. We don't even have antitrust laws in this country. That means that you can have one or two corporations dominating 70, 80, 90 percent of a particular field and uh, artificially uh, keeping prices up. Then you've got uh, deregulation, fancy word for saying let's remove all those wonderful laws that are in place which protect individuals and the community. And we've seen this over and over again. So as I said before, they're selling us the last ticket on the last train to hell. And if you think that the climate emergency has gone away during the pandemic, it has not gone away. It is still there. We still face major issues regarding climate emergency, which is interlinked with pandemics. As the population increases, how we enrage further and further on the natural environment, we will find more viruses will uh, spread from animals to humans. And that's what SARS was about. That's what Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome was about. That's what AIDS was about. That's what Ebola was about. And that's what COVID-19 is about. It's about an increasing frequency of pandemics which are related to the changes in climate and environmental changes which are occurring at a rapid rate. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Jasper Scarlett. I'm uh, hosting today's program outside the studios of Community Radio 3CR. As I said before, for technical issues, the staff at 3CR and the Community Radio Network are doing their best to ensure this program goes live. I could pre-record the program, but I've always gone live and I'd like to continue to do it live because at least you can give an up-to-date analysis of what's happening in the world today. Let's move on. Let's move on. Well, what do we do? What do you and I do? Look, I could... Talk till the cows come home. They haven't got any cows. That could be an eternity. I could uh, talk under wet concrete. If there's no wet concrete, that could uh, go on for ages. But ultimately, change comes from people. It, cha- it comes from people thinking, looking, making decisions, looking at alternatives, forming organisations which promote these alternatives. And we need to move from an issue 
orientated campaign to campaigns which look at broader issues for the last 40 years. Most of the campaigns that have been fought in this country have been issue-orientated. I'm not saying these campaigns weren't important, and there are issue-orientated campaigns that are important. But what is more important than an issue-orientated campaign is a campaign which challenges the current structures we have, that challenges the concept that parliamentary rule is democracy, that challenges the concept that our natural resources should be owned and exploited by corporations and individuals for their own profit while we wait at the bottom of the table, waiting for a few tax crumbs to be pushed off the table. I'll give you an example about gold. As I said before, and I keep saying on this program, we have an extraordinarily rich resource sector. Gold, silver, rare metals, uranium, coal, bauxite, and the king of all the minerals currently, iron ore. Yeah. And, and things that I haven't even mentioned. And all these mineral resources are controlled and owned by individuals. And governments have given these corporations the ability to exploit these resources, one, to create jobs, and let's remember... The mining sector only employs about 2.9% of people in this country and two, to get a little bit of taxation revenue and occasionally there's some wealthy revenue. What is wrong with the idea of us, the Australian people, owning these resources? I mean, if we owned these resources, we could do like the regions have done, have an extraordinarily good wealth fund ready to deal with emergencies. We could actually fund a universal basic income. We could have a public health system which could be the envy of the world. We could have a public education sector which would be the envy of the world, not this divided education sector we now have between the private and public sector. We could have... We could have Decent housing for everybody. Decent housing for everybody. Let's not forget, we are only 25 million people living on a continent, a resource-rich continent. I mean, you may have agricultural production, tourism, which has disappeared, education sector, which is uh, the overseas students have disappeared, manufacturing sector, which has decreased to about 6.9% of the... Um, Workforce, uh, I mean, we, we've had an economy which is based on immigration and construction. The more people you bring in, the more construction you need, the greater your tax revenue. And to a significant degree, we now find ourselves paying the price of relying on casual labour brought in from overseas to do work which Australians will have difficulty doing or because the wages are so low and so exploited. We are now paying the price of allowing labour hire companies to dominate the um, dominate employment in this country. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Centrelink found you a job, not send you, sent you to some 
private corporation which made out a buck by giving you a hard time. But now we rely on labour hire companies. We rely on a fair work commission which wouldn't even know what the word fair was. To give you an example. Now, you may have missed this because there's been so much news about it in the last uh, few days, but there was a Four Corners report regarding workers' compensation in Victoria and uh, New South Wales. Now, look, I'm very familiar with the workers' compensation system and I'm very familiar with the problems, but most Australians have not been familiar with the problems, what happens to workers who are injured at work, how this work has been outsourced to the private sector. And governments are giving bonuses to private companies to manage the workers' compensation system if they decrease the number of workers receiving compensation. You get a bonus. So as we saw in the banking sector in the good old days when people got bonuses for selling you crap products, we have seen people who are injured at work have been treated in the most terrible way. We have seen the interaction with the workers' compensation system in many regards causing more problems than the original injury. We have seen suicides. We have seen family breakups. And the list goes on and on because of the privatisation of workers' compensation where governments outsource their responsibility to the private sector and then pay the private sector a bonus you know, to take people off workers' compensation. And we've seen the human cost of what happens when you outsource these um, essential services. And everywhere we look, we see outsourcing of essential services, and that outsourcing is managed by labour hire companies who put people on individual contracts, casualise the workforce, force them to you know work in multiple places, uh, keep them, keep them, keep them. Uh, keen, keep them hungry. And if you think I'm exaggerating, over 35% of the Australian population is currently in this situation. No holiday pay, no sick pay, and we see what happens when there's no sick pay in the uh, nursing home sector. And it goes over and over again. And we see now, even in the mining sector, the introduction of individual contracts, labour hire companies providing the labour. And this is, to a significant degree, being able to be done because we have passed legislation in this country which brings people across on temporary work visas. One in seven workers in this country is on a temporary work visa. And this is government policy in order to keep people on their toes to casualise the workforce, maximise profits, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. And we need to say thank you to the COVID-19 pandemic for exposing this to the general population. For decades, we have been talking about this on the Anarchist World this week, and many activists have been talking about the same thing, but we have gained no traction whatsoever. Now is the time that we can gain traction in this debate for wholesale radical changes to the way this society functions. 
concepts like direct democracy, concepts like nationalising our resources and using those resources for the national good, concepts like a universal basic income, concepts like increasing the role of public housing in a society where an increasing number of people will never be able to own a roof over their heads, where a significant proportion of the population are waiting 30 to 40 years, paying six, seven, eight times more than they borrow in order to have a roof over their head, which they can pass on to their children or their grandchildren. But in order to have change, you need action. And in order to have action, you need ideas. So, you know, it goes around and around. And if we're going down the same path time and time again, going down the same path, asking people to do the same things, we will get the same result. If you bash your head against a brick wall long enough, you'll get a bruise and a fractured skull. And if we continue to go down and support the same economic models, support the same um, parliamentary values, support the same policies, allow the private sector to dominate every aspect of our existence, to a significant degree, we deserve what we get because change is needed. Whether it occurs or not depends on people coming together and taking action. As I said before, you can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or you can email me at info at pipsy.net. You can join public interest before corporate interests by going to pipsy.net. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Joseph Toscana, YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. You can go to a number of uh, different websites, have a look at what's happening. Uh, at the end of the day, whether change occurs or not, ultimately rests with you. It doesn't rest with the person down the street or the uh, your partner. It rests with you. You're unhappy with the current situation? Don't blame yourself. Don't... Um, think that change is impossible, don't think you can't fight City Hall. We can fight City Hall. We can fight the government of the day and we can win. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. And don't forget, the program is a podcast, 3CR Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.